Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Everybody, welcome to Howard David Live. We wrap up the week by getting ready to talk about some series that are getting ready to happen. And then to that end, we'll talk about the uh, series between the Brooklyn Nets and the Boston Celtics. And here to help us get through that is Greg Logan of New York Newsday, who covers the Nets. Uh, Greg, when I look at this series, um, it, it's not that I'm looking for a quick ending, but I can't see any other way. Uh, I just I can't see the series going five tops. Well, Howard, uh, based on the track record this season, I think most people would say that uh, uh, the Nets uh, swept the season series uh, from the Celtics. Uh, but at the same time, uh, uh, and they didn't always have uh, the big three available either. The Nets are more healthy than they've been at any time this year. The big three have only played eight games together all season, but they're all healthy to go to start this series. And so is Joe Harris, uh, the three-point percentage champion in the NBA this year and uh, and Blake Griffin is is up to speed and so yeah it looks like a uh, uh, a tough matchup for the Celtics on the other hand uh, uh, the Celtics are a really good uh, offensive rebounding team that's kind of a weakness for the Nets uh, if Tristan Thompson gets creates a lot of uh, second chance opportunities for them uh, you know, obviously Jason Tatum in particular can really get going and uh, and be off the charts. And and I looked at Tatum's uh, numbers against the Nets this year, and in each of the three games, uh, he improved uh, dramatically, going from uh, something like uh, 20 points in the first game to just over 30 in the second and 38 in the third. And so he averaged like 29.7 against him. So he'll be a They'll be a handful, and their rebounding will be a problem. Uh, uh, but the Nets are are healthy. They've got so much scoring; uh, it's just going to be uh, impossible to stop them. And and their ball movement is is so good. You know, they're they've had over 30 assists. I don't know how many times this year, but it's a franchise record. And uh, so so they're going to be a handful for a team like uh, Boston to try to stop, especially with uh, Jalen Brown uh, out for the rest of the season. Well, that's a big deal, obviously. Um, but the uh, the Nets have beaten the Celtics by an average of 15 points a game in their three meetings, and that was with Jalen Brown. Uh, look, right. Kem- Kemba Walker is, is, a, is a top-notch point guard, no question about it, but even he's not 100%. Uh, I mean, he got 29 the other night in, in the victory uh, to, to play in. Uh, you know, Tatum had 50. And he's capable of doing that. We've seen him do that before this year. He's a great player. And uh, I think it was, I'm trying to remember if it was Scott Brooks that said that uh, Tatum is not only a, a great player, but he's a future NBA MVP, which is not really a reach. 
No, it's not. You know, and and so the matchup that I think people are going to be watching most closely is between Tatum and uh, Kevin Durant. Uh, so Durant is going to have to play both ends of the floor. So that is kind of one uh, thing that's that's in the Celtics' favor is is that you know they're going to make him work at at both ends, and and that will. Uh, uh, possibly reduce his effectiveness, but he's got so many alternatives on offense that uh, you know that's that's going to be the tough thing for the uh, Celtics to deal with. Uh, so you know it's uh, uh, it's a K, and then and then on top of that, I feel the Nets have the deepest roster in the NBA, mm. so they have a really good bench, a very effective. Uh, a scoring uh, throughout the, the roster and uh, and one player who Steve Nash has said he expects to play a key role is Nick Claxton uh, who's he, it's really he, he's a second year player but it's really his rookie season because he didn't play last year to speak of and uh, 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 he's been a tremendous mobile 611 defender who can go out and cover uh, smaller players, so I'm sure he'll get his share of of time against uh, Tatum as well. So there's a lot of ways uh, for the Nets to go, and and a lot of things, uh, weapons that they have to to throw at this Celtics team. Uh, and then and then I guess the only other thing you can say is, you know, will it have some effect on Kyrie Irving? Uh, to go and play in Boston for the first time since he left two years ago to to sign with the Nets because last season he missed all the games up in Boston because he was injured and uh, and he did not play in Boston uh, this year either. So this is going to be his first time to go up there and, and play in front of those fans. He says it doesn't mean anything to him. He's not worried about it and he's played there before when he was with the Cavaliers. Uh, but this might be a, a little bit different thing for him. On the other hand, uh, this season uh, Irving has has been terrific. He's been lights out against the Celtics, so uh, it, it could go both ways. I uh, spent four years in Boston doing their games during the infamous Rick Pitino era, uh, oh. as he says that wink wink. Um, and, and Cedric Maxwell is my partner. Then he's still broadcasting the games with Sean Grandy on Celtic Radio now, and we talk frequently. Um, look, he, Kyrie Irving was not the most popular guy in the Celtic locker room to the point of where when he left, they just about threw a party. Uh, the, I mean, he, he was not a popular guy in that locker room, but I don't want to get into that too much because it doesn't have any relevance. What, what, uh, one thing that Irving's a strange cat, and you know that probably better than I. Uh, he came out recently and said that he, basketball is not his only thing in life. He's very, very much involved with social injustice and so on, and I understand that. But I would be reluctant to go to say anything negative about basketball when basketball has given you the platform to say what it is you're going to say. So, okay. you know, I, I just have a hard time with that. Yeah, that's that's true. There's there's no doubt about that, and it's given him everything else. You know, it's given him a, a, a great living, and and it's also given him the ability to be as charitable as he has been, uh, especially these these past uh, year and a half or so, where he's just poured money into charities. Uh, so I I respect him, you know, on his expressing his social beliefs and and stuff like that. Uh, you know, he has that right, and and I like it 
honestly, when uh, athletes don't just shut up and dribble, when they come out and act like a real person and, and, uh, ex- and express concern uh, for other people. So that doesn't bother me so much. I mean, Kyrie is a person who is unusual. There's no doubt about it. Quirky, you want to call him. Uh, that's that's true. But I think he's, not always, but for the most part, he's able to uh, balance these uh, conflicting emotions. And one thing he he talked about uh, the other day uh, after, you know, he was discussing the fact that he got through this uh, season as the ninth player in NBA history to be a 50-40-90 guy, meaning uh, at least 50% overall from the field, 40% from three-point range, and 90% from the foul line. Right. And he just talked about, you know, it's a product of the work he puts in to his game and all the work that nobody sees during the off season. So I, I think that part maybe gets overlooked is that, uh, yeah, he has a lot of other stuff on his mind, but there is no question that he believes in his craft and he puts the work in to do it. And he's one of the most, uh, having watched him these past two years and got to understand his game a little bit better. He's one of the absolutely most creative players out there, especially at 6'2", or whatever it is, uh, for him to be able to get off the kind of shots he does in the mid-range against uh, uh, double and even triple team coverage sometimes. So, uh, you know, I I think that some of the things he says kind of detract from the, uh, the dedication that he really has shown uh, to the craft. And uh, he's in a pretty good headspace now. I, I kind of talked to him about this uh, journey he's had over the past two years with the Nets and what went into his decision with Kevin Durant to come join them and so on. And he said that a big part of it was just uh, being someplace where you could be with guys that you liked and where, where you feel their support. And so I think he has a level of happiness because not only is he with uh, players that he likes, not only does he have a huge voice in the uh, uh, way the franchise is, is run, but also he's in his home area and has all his uh, family and friends uh, around him as a support system. So I think uh, I think he's really in the in the best spot he's been in uh, during his career, and and it's a much different vibe with the Nets. Uh, than it ever was with the Celtics. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, he's Greg Logan of New York Newsday. Isn't it amazing how Laura Ingram of Fox, who's the one who came out with Shut Up and Dribble, <laughs> that that's got a shelf life that it has? I mean, if you gave her a basketball, she spent 20 minutes trying to open it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, was a, that was a crazy quote, you know, uh, directed at LeBron, you know. And, and actually... If I'm not mistaken, it might have come at a time when LeBron spoke out. I was at the press conference uh, during the finals uh, maybe three years ago after he'd had some uh, racist graffiti uh, painted on uh, the gate of his mansion in Los Angeles. And and he was powerful. He was absolutely powerful just in terms of speaking about about. Uh, racial inequality and justice and stuff in this country and and he's been a, a major voice too so yeah I think those days are behind us uh, and that's especially true in in the NBA because uh, they are so uh, closely aligned with uh, things like black lives matter and and uh, uh, 
police reform and and things like that. So uh, uh, things are evolving on the uh, in the athletic world on the political front. That's for sure. Yeah. Real quick before we go on, um, Tim Tebow's making a lot of noise with signing with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, and we can debate it all day long whether or not he's even going to make the team and all the rest. That's, you know that it's 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 barroom talk. I get all of that, but doesn't this scream out loud about how Colin Kaepernick was blackballed? Uh, it's unbelievable, you know, and and it's really it's unbelievable to me that it continues to go on uh, to this point. I mean, I I guess maybe you could say he's at the point where he's been out of the game so long that nobody trusts what it would be like to bring him back in and maybe they think it would be a circus or something like that but that guy that guy was a terrific quarterback and he was terrific when he when he took the 49ers to the super bowl and uh and you know he engaged in in basically a peaceful social protest and yeah it uh, I guess it rubbed some people the wrong way but that's that's where we live in you know it's a it's a divided uh uh, political climate there's no question about it but honestly when this stuff goes on and on and on you just have to shake your head about the uh the injustice that was done to kaepernick and uh and his ability to con- continue his career uh after uh engaging in those uh, political protests uh there's there's really no excuse for it on the part of the nfl yeah no completely agree getting back to the celtics uh, net series Kemba Walker's missed 29 games. Marcus Smart's missed 24 games. Robert Williams, who's got a very bright future, has missed 20 games. And basically, they've limped into the playoffs by losing five of the last six. And, and they, you, they can't survive on Jason Tatum scoring 50 every night because it's not realistic. But Jason Tatum is a great talent, no question about it. I've watched this kid since... The uh, when Duke went into the um, NCAAs and I watched him, I said, "This guy's a can't miss." I mean, what a sensational talent, and he's only getting better and better and better. But beyond that, and you said it before, Greg, this is a very deep Nets team. It's not just Harden, Irving, and Durant. It's Joe Harris. It's Blake Griffin. It's uh, it's uh, Brown. It's uh, Jeff Green. It's I mean, my goodness, there's Claxton. I mean, they're so deep that they can beat you a variety of ways and just just in sheer volume, uh, it's going to be virtually impossible for the Celtics to be able to match up with them. Well, that's true. And, uh, you know, the, the Nets obviously have had their own injury issues as well. Uh, 37 different starting lineups this season was the franchise record. But what that did is that it gave the, you know, mo- m- most of those were caused by injuries to the big guys. And, and so what it did was it gave the supporting cast uh, plenty of chances to step up into larger roles. And so we've seen guys like Bruce Brown and Landry Shamet and uh, Jeff Green uh, just step up and, and produce in an amazing ways. So now they are really in a good spot at this point. Uh, they have to get back into to adjust their games again to playing with Harden, Durant, and Irving all together. But, you know, they're so well prepared right now that uh, that I think that's what makes them uh, the favorite, you know, to go ahead and win the NBA title. And and as I've discussed with uh, the Knicks writer, Steve Popper at Newsday uh, at length, 
yes, it's true that uh, because the big three have had so little time together, uh, the least time of any such combination in league history for a team that conceivably could uh, win an NBA title, if they do it, they would have had the least time together. Mm. Uh, and so, so there is an adjustment period and that makes them vulnerable, but they're so deep. They just have so much talent and that you can just, you can make the argument that this, this might be the deepest, uh, uh, roster in NBA history. I mean, time will tell, we'll see, but, uh, people are just going to have to, uh, they're going to be stretched thin on defense. I can tell you that. And on but Greg Logan of New York Newsday, uh, should they get by the Celtics, which we expect, they would then meet the winner of the Heat Bucks series, which most people believe that the Bucks and the Nets will finally will will beat each other's brains out to get the right to play Philadelphia. Uh, yes. Yeah, and look, Washington uh, wins last night in a rout. Uh, not not a surprise there. Uh, Going to be tough for them to get by Philadelphia. Not only Embiid, but the rest of that cast with Simmons and Tobias Harris and the like. The fact of the matter is that that this was the reason why Philadelphia desperately wanted to be the top seed, um, because I, I think the matter where the Nets finished first, second, third, I, I don't think it mattered to them. I, I think they. You got to tell me, Greg, who's going to beat this Nets team if everything is the same, everybody's healthy? Who's going to beat them four times in a series? Well, you know that's that's what I think. You're right about that, and I think that's what they believe about themselves because they're so talented. Uh, that it didn't really, they weren't going to go crazy. They wanted the number one seed, yes, uh, but they weren't going to push guys to play through injuries in order to get it. They they were going to take their time to bring James Harden back. They were going to take their time to bring Kevin Durant back because the ultimate goal was to have them healthy for the playoffs and then just the feeling was, okay, you've got to beat us four times. And so even if we have to go through the Bucks before the 76ers, you know, that's all right if, if we can get our guys healthy. Now, at the same time, they had a back-to-back set in Milwaukee with the Bucks toward the end of the season, and they, they lost both games. Right. And they, they gave up uh, big runs in the fourth quarter of both games after having the lead uh, and then lost the lead in the fourth quarter. So that was definitely a, a shot across the bow, and uh, – the Bucks have uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo and uh, Jeru Holiday, who are both very good uh, defensive players and have really given the Nets some fits. Uh, Jeru Holiday, in particular, in that two-game set, was really tough on uh, Kyrie Irving. But uh, Harden was not part of that series. So, you know, that's the X factor right there. But they did uh, make it appear like they can really uh, give the Nets uh, some trouble in their own right because that's a great offensive team. And uh, uh, so they can they can score with the Nets. Uh, but uh, you're right when you say it's it looks like they're going to beat each other up <laughs> before they get to the 76ers, and I think the 76ers will have a much easier time uh, getting to the, the Eastern Finals. And then the other thing is, if the Nets do get to that point, uh, they've had plenty of trouble with uh, Joel Embiid in the past. Uh, they have, don't really have anybody who can contain him effectively. So, you know, uh, 
it's going to be tough. It's nobody said it, it would be easy or that it should be easy. Uh, but, uh, but still, you know, if they can get the, that big three together, you know, they have enough firepower to, to beat anybody, but it's just a matter of, of gaining some consistency and some experience together uh, throughout the course of these playoffs. Yeah. Greg, I, you know, I know you cover the nets, but certainly you got an eye on the Knicks and what they've accomplished and Tom Thibodeau prominently being mentioned maybe as coach of the year, along with Monty Williams, Quinn Snyder, uh, and maybe to a lesser degree, Doc Rivers. But having said that, um, and I think Nate McMillan kind of stepped on his own tongue uh, a couple of days ago when he said the NBA wants the Knicks relative. I mean, that's just, it cost him $25,000, so I hope you enjoyed your speech. Uh, I like Nate a lot. I've known him a long time. I think he's a great coach. I think he's a better guy, and, he, and he's a really smart guy. This is going to be an intriguing matchup with coaching styles between Thibodeau and McMillan. If, once, if not that long ago, L.A. was the basketball capital of the NBA, right now you could make a case that New York can rival L.A. I mean, Knicks, Nets versus Clippers and Lakers, and everybody says, well, if they're healthy, A.D. and, and LeBron, you could see the Lakers going to the final. As a matter of fact, they're, even, they're a favorite right now, according to Las Vegas, to beat the Phoenix Suns, I mean, that's never happened before. A seven seed has been favored to beat a two seed. Yeah, I know. That's that's a little crazy to me because I have a lot of respect for the Suns. Uh, they've done a lot this year, and Chris Paul has just been off the charts good out there. I'm not sure where Davis is really in his health. Uh, and plus, they're in a position of having to blend Andre Drummond into their mix right now. So they've got... Yep issues similar to the Nets in terms of everybody learning how to play together. Uh, but again, that, that's a tremendously deep team out there, and I can see why they're favored. Certainly, you've got Anthony Davis and LeBron James, you know, you're going to be favored, and you're the defending champs. So uh, uh, it, it makes sense, but I think it's going to be uh, tougher for them uh, than they realize uh, in that series, because that, that Suns team, uh, they've played great all season. And so uh, uh, that's going to be just a, a, an off-the-charts, fascinating series to watch, I think. Well, you know, people will point to the fact this is a young team. Yeah, Chris Paul is a great leader of this team and deserves MVP consideration. But this Phoenix Suns team has got no experience to speak of outside of Chris Paul on the big stage, meaning the playoffs. I'm wondering how much of a factor that's going to be for that team in particular. Well, that's true, but, uh, you know, you could also argue that, uh, you know, Devin Booker, uh, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, he, he's played for a national championship uh, Kentucky team, yep. you know, and, and he's been uh, he's been lights out, you know, as a pro, and he's a very uh, composed, uh, uh, mature young player, uh, and I think uh, DeAndre Iton is uh, certainly coming into his own, yep. and he's you know, a mobile athletic big man down there who's, who presents problems for, uh, for anybody. So, uh, I think they've, you're right though. I mean, their, their experience on the big stage is, is lacking at this point, but you know, everybody has to get it at some point. And, uh, I, I actually, I should have looked it up before we talked. Uh, I haven't looked up to see what did the Suns do against the Lakers this year. Uh, I, I'm not certain about that. Something tells me they were 2-2. I think uh, you're right. Well, they couldn't have. It would have been 2-2 two, 
one way or the other. Yeah. Maybe the home teams win. Yeah, I, I would think you're right. But, you know, let, let me get your feeling on the Hawks-Knicks series. I mean, the Knicks obviously yes. are making the playoffs for the first time since 2013. The Hawks have been out of the playoffs for three years. You've got two excellent coaches. You've got uh, Julius Randle is having a magnificent season. And I credit Thibodeau for a lot of that as well as Randle. Uh, but the Knicks are going to have to deal with Trey Young. And this little son of a gun, he'll hoist it up from the third row in the stands if you tell him it's okay. But and it's not just him. It's Gallinari. It's Bogdanovich. It's, uh, it's Collins. It's Capella. Uh, they've got a deep team uh, with a lot of shooters from three-point range. And my concern is not Randall because, look, I have to believe that McMillan's going to throw a lot of doubles at Julius Randall and say, yeah, somebody else beat us now. I've watched R.J. Barrett in recent weeks uh, being forced to take the big shot at the end of games, and he hasn't come through more often than he has. And I credit that to the fact that he's a rookie. I mean, he's still learning, and I'm just wondering, look, Julius Randle is going to get his. Uh, there's no question about it. I think the key is, game by game, who gets to the foul line more, Julius Randle or Trey Young? Young averages nine free throws a game. Randle averages eight free throws a game. Well, that's that's true, and you know, I, I have to say that sometimes when I watch Young, I'm a little bit annoyed about how he draws fouls. Uh, I feel like <laughs> I feel like the officials give him the benefit of the doubt in so many situations, and he acts he has kind of a superstar attitude, like he's upset when he doesn't get the foul call. And uh, but there, there's no question about it. He's one of these guys who's able to draw fouls uh, like crazy. Which is, I used to kind of feel that way about Harden before he came to the Nets. To tell you the truth, <laughs> yeah. but uh, Young's going to get those calls. He's going to get to the line. Uh, you're, you're right. They're going to do everything they can to uh, double team Randall and and take the ball out of his hands and make somebody else beat them. But at the same time, uh, they're going to have to face you know, the best defense in the NBA. And uh, and that's the, you can say, well, yeah, the, the NBA does want the Knicks to succeed, but they haven't succeeded for a long time until they finally got some good management and coaching into position. Yep. And so, so now Thibodeau is there, and he's got them, you know, just playing great together. And they had such a strong finish to the regular season. It, it was, I have to admit, it was very, very impressive. And they've got a young core of guys they've got guys who can possibly jump up there i happen to love barrett uh, you know i probably don't watch him as closely as as you do but i thought he's a pretty good young player and i like this kid uh emmanuel quickly i i think he has a chance to be a, a really good player for them uh so so um you know i think they're going to be i think they're going to be tough on the hawks just because uh the defense is is that good uh, but, but yeah, they're going to have their hands full because that Hawks roster is, is a deep one. Now, the Nets did sweep them, but, you know, that's another team that can score with you anytime. Yeah, yeah well, Trey Young got hurt in the third quarter of one game when the Hawks were up seven, so that might have had a different outcome. But, I mean, all the guys I mentioned on the Hawks, I forgot about Solomon Hill and Werder and Lou Williams. So, you know, forever the sixth man of the year, uh, I don't think he's as prominent a player uh, that he has been in years gone by, but... The Knicks got a guy they, that has a, a long history with Tom Thibodeau, and that's Derrick Rose. I think Derrick Rose, he, he is 
Uh, he belies his age uh, and his injuries that he's had over his career. He goes to the basket as well as anybody does in this league. He can also stick the three. But how about the Burks kid and how he has filled it up? And he, he basically stepped in at point guard. Look, they've had issues at point guard. We both know that. But mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's a big deal now because, you know, Peyton plays 18, 19 minutes. So what? It's going to be Rose and Burks that are going to get the share of the time at point guard. Yeah, there's a lot of support for uh, Derek. I, I think he's a finalist for Sixth Man of the Year. Yep. And uh, uh, and he is and his veteran savvy. You know, think about him. There's a guy who has come off like a catastrophic knee injury, and but he was he was superstar level at one point earlier in his career, and so you know he still has that repository of basketball knowledge uh, that he's able to work with. And he might not be the player he was earlier in his career, but but he's been very smart at adjusting, and he's been a total uh, leader in that locker room. And then he has the relationship with Thibodeau uh, that, that, you know, sort of reinforces uh, his authority out there. And so he is a, has been very impressive this whole season. There's no doubt about that. And he's a guy who who can be a steadying influence for them and who does have playoff experience. So, uh, you know, I like him. And uh, another guy that, you know, I'm looking over their roster, I, I like Burks. But, you know, I, I I think I like the toughness of Reggie Bullock. Yep. That guy can hurt you from three. Mm-hmm. And he, he's a tough, hard-nosed uh, defender. So, and Taj Gibson, that there's another veteran from the Bulls who uh, who can hurt you. And uh, Nerland's... Noel uh, is a, a pretty decent center. So, yeah, the, uh, the the Knicks have a lot going for them right now. And uh, and when you look at the chemistry that they showed down the second half of the season, I, I think you've got to give them uh, uh, a shot. You know, even to give – maybe if they get past the Hawks, they, they might even uh, give the Sixers a little bit of trouble. That we will wait and see, but the fact of the matter is, like it always is, the 4-5 series is always the most compelling. It's no different here with the Hawks and the Knicks, uh, and I find it to be very intriguing. Greg, always enjoy the conversation. Enjoy the series with Celtics and the Nets. It should be fun, uh, and we'll see how it all shakes out. You stay safe. Thanks. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube